check your trim set, check your heading norm, light heading is 074, check your altimeter set, 2946, corrected center point elevation, 0 feet. Check your barrel running 0, check your SCS 1230, 3034, check your fuel, check your seat up, lights out. In the air and on air, here he is, the renegade aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, update a wind on, 2 we on the airfield and airspace. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, and you know me. I love interesting stories. I love people that have interesting backgrounds, and we focus on the airshow pilot. Why do we focus on airshow pilots? It's real simple. Excellence demonstrated, overcoming obstacles, achieving goals, that wow factor. When you go out to the air shows, ladies and gentlemen, you want to be entertained and i've got somebody today that you're going to love to hear her story her name is anna serbanyanko sky dancer and she's got a really cool and interesting background before i get started and introduced anna what i want to do is give you two things i do this each and every week ladies and gentlemen join my crew this radio show just doesn't happen without my crew and members of my crew you're going to get extended stuff stuff you can't get on the radio you're going to get an inside look into uh <laughs> <laughs> the Renegade Aviator. I don't know if that's good or bad. And pilots, you're going to want to become a VIP crew because we just started this month Black Belt Aviator Training. And if you had me in the cockpit with you, it's going to cost a whole lot of money. But for the cost of being a VIP crew member, you are going to get live video training from me each and every week. High performance aircraft, cool stuff. Finally, before I introduce Anna, world records why not if the air shows don't want us to fly right now we would love your support to do something fun support us in taking our ts-11 iskra jet higher faster and further than anything in its class and we're going to do it with the new generation with new ideas we're going to take a jet more than a half a century old with a pilot more than a half a century old and with records that have stood for more than half a century and we're going to use the new generation of professionals of fabricators of engineers i call them kids but 18 to 30 years old they're going to guide this so go to my website renegade av the number 8r renegadeaviator.com and search world records so without further ado ladies and gentlemen Someone who flies a beautiful airplane, and she's got a story. I mean, I'm going to let her tell it because it is cool. Anna Serbanyanko, ladies and gentlemen. Anna, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. 
Thank you so much, Dave. I'm so happy to be here. You're unassuming, yet when I watch you fly, you do such a great job with that super decathlon. I was even more impressed once I learned more about you. So for the benefit of the audience, tell us about kind of how you got started and what brought you here front and center flying Skydancer. The story is very long, actually, and I don't even know where to start. My aviation story started in uh, 2008 when I immigrated to Canada from Europe. And um, one of the welcome to Canada parties, uh, somebody mentioned, oh, yeah, I just got my pilot license. I did have some interest in aviation before and inquired about pilot training, but in Europe it's just so prohibitively expensive and I was a student there, so there was no way I could afford it. And here in Canada, the flying lessons cost about the same as I was paying for my driving lessons back in Switzerland. So I signed up, went for my first flight 10 days after my immigration, and that was a love at first sight. I was hooked. I wanted to learn to fly. Back then, I was in um, the banking industry. I was doing software development for Swiss banks, uh, for foreign exchange trading. And the business was doing well. And I just loved traveling. So I had a picture in my mind that I could just take a plane and go wherever I want. I don't want to hire a pilot. I want to be able to fly myself wherever I want to go. So for that purpose, I just went ahead and got my private pilot license. That was in 2009. And I didn't feel quite ready. I felt I needed more training because I'm always looking for perfection for, and I felt like not quite there yet. So I went ahead and got my commercial license. Still wasn't enough for me. And I thought I could get more training. (laughs) And by then I was teaching in the universities and for the most part in universities, a little bit in high schools, uh, mathematics and languages for about 10 years. So I thought it was a good combination to of my piloting passion, maybe not that much skills at that time, but aviation and training to get my instructor rating. And that's what I did at the end of 2009, about at the same time as I was traveling back and forth between Canada and Germany to finish off my PhD. Find more at our website, www.nskydancer.com. Like you didn't have enough other things to do. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then that was in between running between the airport. I was working from home, sitting in Vancouver for a Swiss bank located in Switzerland. And the daycare where my son was, he was quite young at that time. So I had my schedule full. So yeah, I got my instructor rating and it was the most rewarding experience because that was sharing what I love to do. And I've been instructing ever since. I've never been too keen on going big airlines. And many people ask me if I wanted to go to airlines. And I said, yes, I will fly airlines when I have my own airline. There you go. (laughs) But until then, I'm quite enjoying teaching and sharing what I'm doing. So the combination of teaching experience and uh, flying worked out quite well. And yeah, I've been teaching ever since. You're very casual and very calm in how you speak about all these things that you're doing. So you've got a number of areas in your life where you've achieved, 
where you've done things. And I think people think that people who go after goals have to be, I'm going to say this as I smile because people who know me, you know, one of these people that bursts through walls and breaks things down, you know, and go, wow, that's a person who achieves goals, but you're very calm, yet you've achieved much. And you may not want to say this, but you've done many things. So your education, your business, figure skating, flying airplanes, and not just flying airplanes, but then moving into aerobatics. The first thing I'm thinking as I'm listening to you is where do you find the energy <laughs> to, or the organization? One or the other It's either very energetic or very organized or maybe a combination of both. Give us some words of advice, I guess. First of all, I'm a totally normal person. So I want to think not of the pilot's often are. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's the matter of organizing. I think uh, it's having a plan, first of all, and knowing exactly where is your goal. And not just a rough idea, but knowing exactly what you want to achieve. And having a date for that goal. And having a plan how to get there. And I remember ever since I started working when I was 13 years old. And back then I was teaching, uh, doing some tutoring. So I had to balance my school schedule and my students that I was working with. And I remember it was the best time of my day, of my week, when I could sit down and lay out a plan because that made me feel good because I knew what was going on. And I could expect things and be prepared for them. So since then, I'm a planner. So whatever is happening, it's hard for me during these times because nobody knows what's happening, but we adjust. But generally speaking, I like to have a plan, having a deadline, having goals. And yes, goals change, goals adjust, but uh, have at least an idea. And then we can always adapt as we get new information and new things happening. And the second part is to be committed. So say you decided to do a run two times a week uh, for about an hour in your neighborhood. And then one day you don't feel like it. The next day you push it back. And guess what? A month from where you make your New Year's commitment, it's not happening anymore. So having a habit or the discipline to actually follow the plan that uh, you laid out, that you committed to yourself, not even to somebody else, but be committed to yourself and your plans is the second big part of it. It's not easy to balance working for Swiss Bank out of Vancouver because the Swiss uh, work day was from 11 p.m. Vancouver local time to 7 a.m. Then drop off the kid in the daycare, (laughs) go to the airport, do your flight training, come back just on time through the rush hour to pick up the child make dinner, send him off to bed around 9 p.m., and then you have two hours of sleep before you have to start the next workday. And if it's not for the commitment and sticking to the schedule every day doing those things, that would not have been possible. And then on top of it, I was still finishing school, finishing my PhD, so planning, planning and commitment. (laughs) 
That's excellent to hear because, you know, everybody wants to make an excuse. I'm so busy. And I hear this. And when I interview people like you that produce a result, that check boxes, that move forward, we hear very similar things, but we hear them in a different way. And so then people will say, well, it's easy for, you know, a pilot. But now we hear your story. So it's yes, it's flying an airplane, but planning and commitment is required to be a good pilot as it is to be a person in life that's a good business person. I mean, you own your own business as well. Call our listener line, 888-366-5256. Ask a question, leave a comment, 888-366-5256. One of the things as I was looking at how you got started, what was very interesting to me is when you get into the air show world, you have this group, a dichotomy, I guess. You have people that'll say, well, you have to have been flying for many, many years and so long. And it's almost like a closed door. We all hear this. And then you see people that come in and say, I simply want to be an air show pilot. And I will take those steps and I'll become an airshow pilot. It makes me scratch my head going, do we sometimes make our own goal too complicated so we end up quitting, right? I mean, how many people have you spoke to that said, I would love to be an airshow pilot, but, you know, but, right? And then insert excuse. <laughs> of course, of course. And not even airshow pilot. I want to be a pilot, but I have kids. I have job I have there is always something right I think I was very lucky with people I've met for me starting an air show was not something I have dreamed about as a child in fact yes I wanted to fly but I'm not coming from a family of aviators I was not around planes I don't even know where I got this idea that I wanted to fly But it just came. I'm coming from the academic background. My parents, grandparents, it was always academics. You go, you get your university degree, technology, computers, engineering, very technically oriented. That's my background and it was assumed. So I kind of went along that path, went through 10 years of university, got several degrees, including PhD in mathematics. So aviation was not even in the picture. Mm. My parents didn't even know I went flying or started flying. and You kind of uh, surprised them. Uh, kind <laughs> of. Actually, when I was in Canada, my dad lives in Canada. My mom is Swiss. So after moving to Canada, my dad was the one who drove me to the airport for my first flight ever. So he kind of knew not that he was excited about it when I got my pilot license. And I was looking for the first victim passengers to go with me because now I could carry passengers. He said he couldn't possibly get drunk enough to get with me in the plane. (laughs) He is afraid of flying. He needs uh, a lot of convincing even to go on an airliner, let alone flying with a fresh PPL licensed pilot. For my mom, living in Switzerland, I mentioned over the phone because I was living in Canada, I was talking to her like, mom, you know what, I'm considering maybe one day just, you know, just a theory, just I was halfway through my PPL course by then, but, you know, just considering just the ground school. And she's like, no way. Well, okay, sure, mom, whatever. The next time I was visiting a few months later. In Switzerland, I prearranged in one of the local clubs to go up with an instructor. So I take my mom and say, okay, let's go for a drive. She thought we would be going shopping. 
And then we drive to that little regional airport in Switzerland. We park the car and she looks at me like, you got your pilot license, didn't you? (laughs) So I didn't even have to say that. So air shows were not happening around our family. We didn't see too many of them. The first time I have seen an air show was during my flight training in Vancouver area. I didn't even know there was an air show at the airport. So I came for my usual training day, or so I thought the usual class, and I see like lots of people and something, an event is happening. So it was a free air show. So I just walked in and looked around. And at that time, it was Bud Grandley performing with uh, his Harvard. And he was doing a maneuver called an avalanche, which is a loop with a snap roll on top. And with the smoke, it looked just like a heart. And it was the moment Mm. for me. I was like, next year, I want to be up there, which was pretty ambitious from a fresh private pilot. (laughs) That is. It's very ambitious. (laughs) But in my mind, it was like, I'm not taking a no for an answer. I never do. And I was going to go there. Fast forward, three years later, I was up there (laughs) with my instructing the flight school that I joined, actually, again, being a business person, I wanted to start my own flight school. And um, by the time I finished my instructor rating, there was one of the schools that the founder, Ron Harkis, who founded Canadian Flight Center in 1979, in 2009, he was retiring. And uh, my partner and I took over the existing school from Ron. So I kind of stepped into aviation as a junior instructor, but right away as a business owner. And the school had an aerobatic airplane. So obviously I was interested in flying it. I got my aerobatic instructor rating. There's a thing in Canada. I know it doesn't exist in the States. And my first air show was purely for the purpose of demonstrating what a local school can offer. And that was our local air show. And then I had somebody from Vanderhoof Air Show approaching me. It's like, well, would you like to perform at our show? This is one of the shows at the Northern BC. Like, of course. And kind of started from there. It is amazing. It's basically it's taking that first step, right, is to immerse yourself in that environment where you want to be. I think we all worry too much maybe about how Right. I get the impression from you that you simply do. You plan and you do. And a lot of people worry about how. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes. And it's a very real worry and concern because you don't have all the answers in the beginning. I didn't have all the answers in the beginning. And I think sometimes when our goals, first of all, there is a saying, and I love it, if your goals do not scare you. They are not big enough. And to me, that was something that I've always gone by. If it's not a big enough goal for me, I don't want to do it. That's excellent. I want to have something next, something big. And I don't know how I will get there, but I will. 
that I know. You strike me, you have an inner strength. Where did that come from? Because I know everybody gets nervous, everybody. You have a, um, and I hope people are hearing this on the radio, you just have an inner strength about you. I mean, people are not hatched this way, or I guess they are, you know, and I always joke about that. But where do you get that from? Was that from your parents, from your environment, from your experience in business and in schooling? You sound like a very brave person, I guess. And to people who haven't met you, you know, you're calm. It's just a calm strength, which I laugh because my call sign being Taz, I tend to spin in circles and go through walls. <laughs> but I'm also a former U.S. Marine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all have our different ways. I don't think I was born that way, but maybe. More than anything, it's probably the path that... I never had it easy, but sometimes I didn't have a choice. Sometimes I chose not to give up. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I was born in Ukraine and I don't know, comparison with an average kid being born in North America, there are so many opportunities, so many doors that are open. You just have to stretch your hand and take it. It's not quite a case of a child born in a small town in Ukraine. And my goal was, I'm not happy where I am or the environment I live in. And I always told myself, my child, my children will not be going through what I'm going through. And it has been on different occasions, anything from not even having enough food to eat in the family or not being able to travel. We never had a car. And I don't want to dwell on the negatives, but an average life norm in North America in 2020 is different from mid-1980s in Ukraine. Then the entire country collapses. Economically, the situation doesn't get any better. My brother and I were brought up by a single mom. Our parents uh, divorced when we were still young. And there were quite a lot of struggles through the childhood and uh, earlier in my careers. But I think what our parents taught us, my mom taught us a lot, is the value of education. And that opened many doors for me uh, personally, for my brother as well. He, by the way, is one of the programmers in Zurich office of Google right now. And he is quite enjoying that. Oh. Very proud of him, <laughs> my little brother. We both went through the educational system in Ukraine, which is quite strong and demanding. And it gave us good foundation for our future careers. I started in the University of Donetsk and got the bachelor's degree in computer science. And then I had an opportunity to move to Switzerland and did my master's in financial mathematics while I was still in Ukraine, uh, we learned languages and I enjoyed learning them one after the other. I was joking, the first five are difficult and then you get used to it. <laughs> the first five, I love that. <laughs> I learned 12 on different occasions and probably only at about eight fluent by now because wasn't practicing all of them. Learning mathematics was always a passion because it was interesting. I was good at it. Uh, it did take time to be good at it, but it was interesting and I could apply it. And thanks to my studies, I was able to move to Switzerland, continue my education there. And because I was speaking languages, because obviously it was in uh, French and German in Switzerland, uh, did my degree in uh, 
management, did my degree in law in Switzerland, and then finished off my PhD in Germany and uh, did a part of an MBA course in London. So it's not even the fact of what you're studying in the university, but that's the discipline that you have there. Either you study or you are out. And that's part of keeps you working on your commitment. And that was a big part of moving ahead beyond the study times. My flight school is Canadian Flight Center. The website is uh, www.cfc, like Canadian Flight Center, .aero, A-E-R-O, or just Google Canadian Flight Center. When people watch you fly at an air show, that's what we talk about. It's excellence demonstrated. It's something that I think the air shows bring so you get to impact the lives of, you know, many, many thousands of people, tens of thousands of people go out and they watch an air show and they look up and they see an airplane fly. And that's great. And this is what I always tell people why the value in our air shows, because there's a person in each one of those airplanes that has a story. And where else can you go and speak to an elite level performer but at an air show, you'll sit there and you'll talk to people and you'll meet them. You'll show them the airplane. I'm sure that has to be one of the high points of being an air show pilot is the impact that you can have on so many people. Very, very much so. I believe for me as a performer, my part of the air show is not the 10 minutes where I'm flying aerobatics upside down and all the beautiful stuff, which I love doing. But it's not the main part. The main part is the rest of the day that we spend on the ground meeting spectators, meeting kids who are so excited to see an airplane, to touch an airplane, to talk to a pilot. For them, it's a big deal. It might not be a big deal for you and me because, hey, we talk to pilots every day. But for a little kid, that makes a, such a huge difference. I just had this week, we slowly start getting back to figure skating training started in May uh, here in BC. And I had two girls who are skating in my group, uh, mid to late teenagers, and they, by accident, they didn't know I was a performer. We have been training for about a year in the same group. And they found the YouTube channel and it was like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. I said, they said they were thinking about aviation. It's like, yeah, of course, come over to the airport. I'll give you a tour. I'll show you around. We can maybe even go up, ask your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and it made them so excited. Their eyes lit up. It, it meant so much for them. I'm driving to the airport every day. It's not a big deal. But we don't always realize how much impact it has on somebody for whom it's the first time and what responsibility we have as performers to bring that message and how cool the aviation is. What are the opportunities in aviation? Because if we don't do our job right and we're being tired or not quite focused, and we're not there because that will be the impression of the aviation these kids will get. So we can't afford not being on top of our game. David Costa, a legend in his own mind. The renegade aviator, in the air and on air. Here we go. 
I've been um, held accountable by fellow pilots, and it can be uh, brutal in our critique of each other as professionals and things of that nature. But I found that when you're willing to show up, whether it be aviation or almost any industry, when you're willing to show up as a newcomer, more likely than not, you will be welcomed. And I think that's what people don't understand about aviation. They think it's such a closed group. And I don't know about you, but there's always been somebody who, when I've been down or when I've been thinking that, oh, well, you know, woe is me, there's been somebody to say, let me give you a hand, let me help you, or sometimes let me give you a piece of advice. (laughs) Has that been a similar experience for you? A little bit of yes and no. I've met a huge number of amazing people in the airshow industry. I love them dearly. Lots of support. Even in the very beginning when I was a totally new performer, nobody knew about me, nobody saw me. I had people who came alongside and said, let me help you. I'm very, 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 very grateful to my mentor, Bud Grandley. He is, um, I think he's 82 this year, and he has been mentoring me for as long as I'm flying air shows, actually, from the very beginning. He's a well-known performer. I think a few years ago, he celebrated flying 55 years air shows. Wow. That's a lifelong. And yet he was so approachable. I could just come up to him and talk. And I was nobody. And he was helping me. His home airport is about an hour uh, flying away from uh, Vancouver. And we've done a number of flights together where he coached me. He mentored me through non-flying part uh, of the aviation, of the air shows industry. Lots of other people with Truckee Air Show. I'm very grateful to Tim LaDolce for his support, his mentoring. If I start naming all my supporters and friends within the air show industry, the list will be very long and the show will be over an hour by far. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It was also a little bit of an old boys club. So just a little warning out there. If uh, you're a female performer, that's your reason to go for it. (laughs) Excellent to say that. So when you met with resistance, this is great for anybody, right? Male or female. When you met with that resistance, what was your reaction and how did you overcome that? I think that's important. Yes, I did have the resistance and I was the only female Canadian airshow performer for a number of years. So it does attract attention for the most part positive, sometimes not so much, lots of critique. But my goal was what can I learn from this critique that will make me better? It doesn't matter what they think, but how can I use it to make my flying better, my presentation better, my performance, my interaction with the public. What is that that I can learn from it? And it is easier said than done because critique is often a hard pill to swallow. But if you can take it and don't take it at the very moment, at that very moment, the resistance is our human nature reaction. It will not work. It will take over. But if sleep over, think about it the next day or the next week. Or like in my case, I had my great mentor with whom we worked 
through that critique and saying, okay, how we can work on that and work on that and improve that. And the next season, the next year, it wasn't even there. In fact, people who were critiquing me in the first place, I'm very grateful to them because it made me better and we became good friends since. Yeah. You end up moving past that. It's amazing. It is a real tough pill to swallow, especially, you know, pilots tend to be um, proud, right? A personality. I always joke, and you running your, you know, flight school and flight training, when I had 1,500 hours of flight time, I thought I was the best pilot in the world. Now at 15,000 hours, I realize how much I don't know. What are you seeing now? You've got a, a very unique perspective now because you're out there as a performer you're out there flying. You uh, have a life outside of aviation, a very rich life, family, and with your career. How does that help you with your flight school? That gives you a unique perspective on this next generation of pilots that are beginning their training. My flight school is Canadian Flight Center. The website is uh, www.cfc, like Canadian Flight Center, .aero, A-E-R-O, or just Google Canadian Flight Center. I like flight training very much because it carries what we do into the next generation of pilots, next set of pilots. It was funny that you mentioned about what we think we know. I'm also a pilot examiner and it's kind of entertaining to see a 50-hour wonder on the flight test expecting to impress you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> PPL flight tests, for the most part, are still pretty good. So I should say 150-hour wonder. This is when they can do their commercial flight test. <laughs> so they get their private license, 50, 60 hours, and then they do up to 100, 120 hours of time building and come for commercial flight tests around 150. It's amazing to see how the confidence builds up much faster than skills. And I see a number of um, commercial flight test candidates with a very overconfident attitude. And I often tell them, don't try to impress me. You probably won't. What I'm looking <laughs> is safety and sound decision making. And often enough, we come back from the flight test and I'm asking the candidates, how did it go? And most of the time, the candidates who are self-critical said, well, I made that mistake and I'm, I'm so sorry I made this mistake. They actually did pretty good on their flight test. They are self-critical and they're trying to improve mm. and they usually do much better. And you come back from other flight tests and you ask how they went. They're like, oh, yeah, I think it was pretty good. And you're looking at the <laughs> marks and it's like, mm, not really. <laughs> so attitude is yeah. a big thing. Somebody said you can even teach a monkey to fly. I don't know about that to True. some extent, probably. For a for while. A while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but you can't teach a monkey the decision-making. And uh, this attitude and the decision-making is what more important than just mechanical manipulation of the controls or computer programming for more advanced planes. It can be taught. It can be learned. It is important. There is a saying superior pilot decision-making avoids needing to use superior pilot skills. If you thought through yes. where you get with your decision-making, you would not end up most of the time. Sometimes it's outside of our control, but a lot of situations in aviation can be avoided by 
planning, back to planning and committing (laughs) to your limits. If you say I'm not going to fly in more than 25 knots of wind, if it's 26 knots outside, that means you are not going flying. So having the discipline as a pilot to follow those limits and not pushing the boundaries is uh, a big part of being a good pilot. And this is what we are trying to teach to our students, because every flight school will teach you how to take off and land, how you make your flying safe, how you keep your passengers safe. How do you keep your employer happy when you're going for a commercial uh, job? These are the important parts what we also try to include in our course. And um, we see a lot of our pilots flying for big airlines. In fact, I had just had a visit a few months ago from my personal very first student. He is uh, with KLM right now, and it's uh, great to see that. That is great. It's outstanding. We have two bases, one out of Vancouver, one out of Kamloops in BC. So a little bit on the interior, operating 26 planes, 10 different types. So when we graduate a commercial pilot or even a private pilot, you can fly a number of high wing, low wing aircraft, tail draggers. Uh, We do it all. So a lot of variety and it does attract a lot of uh, international students as well to our training centers. We do classes, online ground school, IFR training. We have uh, on our staff a great airline pilot who is teaching the I, who is our manager of the multi and IFR department. He's doing an outstanding job. So it's uh, training what we call from tailwheel to turbine. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, lots of videos, lots of materials we are sharing. And we often get inquiries from pilots, uh, even for just mountain flying here in BC, spectacular. And people coming from all over the world to fly through the mountains. We do landings on remote grass trips. We do beach landings, like just on the ocean beach. That's actually cool. We are non-conventional but a lot of fun. I like that. Non-conventional, but a lot of fun. I'm going to write that one down. And your air show act, you fly an airplane that people can fly. They can go and rent a super decathlon, the plane you fly. Because I really like watching you fly. Explain kind of what your show is all about and kind of how it's everything about an air show is you get to see a variance from Canadian Snowbirds and the Blue Angels to a plane that you can go rent. And you're working way harder than a guy like me in a jet is. You're actually having to fly the airplane. I just point the nose and throw the stick around. So explain what your show is all about. I'm flying uh, American-built Super Decathlon, and it is an aerobatic trainer. It's used for uh, basic to intermediate aerobatics. It doesn't have a lot of power. It's 180 horsepower. So you really have to manage that energy. But I love flying it because you do feel that energy. Whatever you have, you're flying with the plane, you strap the plane on yourself, and it's just you flying. And yes, it's very accessible in the sense some people own the same type of aircraft privately, fly for fun, uh, fly around cross countries or fly aerobatics, basic aerobatics. It's very capable with advanced, some advanced maneuvers that I'm also demonstrating at the air shows. The style of performance, it ended up being different from most performers 
I didn't even think that much about it at that time. It just happened. That's back to my comment that when you have a goal and you don't take a no for an answer, but you don't know yet how you will achieve it, sometimes things just happen for you. Because when your belief is so strong, the universe will just have to give it to you. <laughs> that was my true. case. I like it. When I was flying my first show, it was just picking some music, something that would go nice, demonstrating a few maneuvers. And after that first show, uh, the announcer, Rick Peterson, did a brief interview with me and asked me what I was doing and just popped in my mind, sky dancing. It just was there. I knew that. Over the years, I modified the show, added more elements to it. I changed the music. And the music I'm flying with is Ave Maria. It's classical music. It's um, also a hymn. And uh, to me, it's um, air shows are happening usually on the weekends. And my thought is God put me up there for a reason. And I hope for whatever reason I'm up there, it will coming across through what I'm doing. And that music was very, not even fitting. It just went with it. And the way the airplane is flying, it just all worked together. There was not even a doubt in my mind or long research. Sometimes you just know. And yeah. it does end up being very different from jet teams or high-performance aerobatics, which I still believe a lot of work flying, just a different type of flying. And I have a great respect and love watching jet performances, uh, high-performance aerobatics, and uh, decathlon and the sky dance is just different. And I think that's what is important for people who are coming. They don't want to have five jet teams, or most of them don't. Maybe some do. <laughs> they don't want to have uh, 10 of the same uh, solo performers. It's the variety of what we have to offer in the air shows that uh, brings people in and for some it's uh, one performer or one type of plane that will be inspiring for some others it's something different my performance is set to classical music elegant and feminine act and i do get a lot of uh, very positive responses from girls from women but also from boys and men so it's uh, seems that uh, it touches all variety of uh, people and uh, goes beyond just seeing, but also feeling. It does. I say this all the time, you know, the world is full of great individuals. And I think we are too quick to put people into groups, but the individuals matter. So that's exactly why it attracts individuals that are at an air show and see something different. So our differences in how we perform, they resonate differently with different individuals. And that's what makes us strong. And this is what I tell people. And I've done stuff in the inner city and I've done stuff all over this world. I used to travel all over the world doing medical things. And I just tell people it's the great individuals are what change the world. And it's when you can go to an air show and you can look up 
and you can have a guy like me that flies to heavy metal music and a jet, and then you have Ave Maria, beautiful song, beautiful, graceful aerobatics. It gives you that perspective, I guess. And I think that's what we need more of is more perspective. And we all touch people in a different way. And that's why our shows are so important, at least in my mind. And I'm jaded because, you know, we're air show people. So (laughs) we have to have reasons that air shows are very important. So people, you need to support your local air show because we're not going anywhere. I think it's, yes, would you love planes? Would you love flying? We want to tell people about how great it is not just being an airshow performer, but being a pilot, being traffic controller or mechanic, but it's also about achieving your goals. And if your goal is to be a journalist or artist or a doctor, it can have nothing to do with aviation, but it's about dreaming big and then making your dreams come true. And that's what aviation is, airshows are about, not focusing on flip-flopping the planes or even aviation in general, but it's an inspirational event for the local people, traveling people, for young people, especially when they know, well, I don't have to limit myself to just working in a local McDonald's, not that there is anything wrong with it, but if I decide that I want to do more, I can do it. And that's what I think is important. And some people will talk to a jet pilot and that's what will click with them. Some will talk to a skydiver and uh, how that person overcame the fear of heights, for example. And that will be a aha moment for them. So you never know what will help whom, but if at the end of an air show there is one kid going home inspired, I think the goal is achieved. Absolutely agree. Anna, how can people find out more, uh, watch some videos of you fly for the air show side? So for the air show side, how would they look you up on the internet? I have my website. It's www.anaskydancer.com. I'm also on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, always Anna Skydancer. If you look for it, you'll find me. I post updates and through the same media, you can always send me a message, ask questions. If you're interested in flight training, you can shoot me a message directly or uh, message the flight school. We are here and uh, we hope to see more people coming to the air shows. We hope to see more pilots and just people who believe and will go to the the extra mile and decide to take those next steps, whatever those steps might be. That's outstanding. That's absolutely outstanding. And Anna, you mentioned a uh, one of our mutual friends, Tim LaDolce from the uh, Truckee Tahoe Air Show. I want to give a shout out to him as well. He introduced me to you. And Tim is a great guy and Tim is a mentor and he's a guy who believes in people when he, that's where we first met up. So, and, and the world is full of these people. And Anna, everything you say has motivated me. And I hope, and I know that people listening are hearing this, this same thing. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show because uh, I think it's really valued people hearing it come from you because you've achieved a lot and uh, I'm grateful to know you. Thank you so much, Dave. It's totally my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here and having the opportunity to talk to you and talk to people listening. I admire what you are doing. I'm very, very thankful. 
Oh, thank you. That was very, very nice to say. And that is our goal because these are real people flying airplanes and you've got great stories. Everybody's got these stories and that's who we are, man. This is air shows and I'm grateful, happy to be a part of it. And Anna, um, like again, you've accomplished a lot. Let's uh, stay in touch. If you need anything, give me a holler and uh, I'm always happy to help. I really do appreciate it. I will. I will. Thank you so much, Dave. Really, really appreciate it. It was real fun talking to you. You're doing an amazing job, Dave. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. So are you. And I'll really look forward to seeing you uh, soon. Same here. All right. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa. That was Anna Serbanyanko, ladies and gentlemen. And you want to talk about accomplishments in life. So what struck me in the entire interview is that Anna comes across very humble. She doesn't brag about things. But if you look at how things can transpire in your life, and you heard us talking about this on the show this week, there's opportunity. The first thing I heard as she talked about her life is that there's so much opportunity for those of us in North America that I think we don't have a clue what the rest of the world goes through. With all the strife going on in the world right now, with everything going on in the U.S., it's time to maybe sit back and think a little bit and say, I've got great opportunities ahead of me. If I can eat, if I can go to school, if I can better myself, I have opportunities. So here we have somebody that comes in and is fairly new in the aviation and becomes an airshow pilot, but doesn't just become an airshow pilot, becomes excellent at that because success leaves traces. I say this all the time. I loved Anna's comment. If the goals don't scare you, your goals aren't big enough. Think about that for a second. If you don't wake up with a little bit of a gut check every morning to say, what have I gotten myself into? You're not shooting high enough because here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. The reality of this is you can do better. You can achieve more. You can get more done in the day. You can do more than you think you ever could, but you have to have a plan and you have to stay committed. You heard it from Anna, so don't believe me. You heard it from Anna, somebody that knows many multiple languages. I think she said 12, figure skating, PhD in mathematics, business owner, airshow pilot. If the dreams you have don't scare you, you're not making your goals big enough. Think of that. Now, here's what I want you to do, because we've got a big goal, and we've got our world record attempt that we're doing. We're taking that TS-11 Iskra. We are going to push it faster, farther, higher than it's ever gone before, so much higher that we're going to beat the records in its category, and we're going to do this with the new generation. We are going to do these record, these world record attempts, not using a guy like me who's been there, done that, been around 
around for a long time. We're going to take the old technology of this old jet that was built back in the 1960s and go break records that have stood since 1972, and we are going to knock it out of the park. We, meaning kids 18 to 30 years old, and we're going to do more than just telling them what to do. They're going to tell us, me, how they're going to make the plane faster, lighter, more efficient. They're going to do it. And that's key because right now the new generation needs the big gnarly goal. They need to look forward to something positive. We're going to give it to them. Go to my website, renegadeav8r.com. Click on the world record page. In the meantime, thank you to Anna Serbanyanko for being on the show this week. This is David Costa in my TS-11 Iskra jet in the air and on air. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. See ya.